Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. I am your host, Cassie Joy Garcia, and today I am joined by a, I really wanted to say sister from another mister. <laughs> She's a fellow Garcia. Please forgive my nerdiness. Uh, and I'm really excited to chat with her. Her name is Megan Garcia. She is, to tell you really quickly about her, Megan is a mama of two boys. She lives in Los Angeles. She has a master's degree in traditional oriental medicine and is the creator of First Foods and Beyond. When Megan found out she was pregnant with her first baby back in 2011, she began exploring baby health and wellness, specifically a baby's first 1,000 days. Her interest in baby health combined with a big love for all things food and gut related has become the heart and soul of what she does in her own little corner of the web at Megan Garcia. MeganGarcia.com. Man, gosh, that is the second time I tried to mispronounce your last name, which is very embarrassing because it's my name, at MeganGarcia.com. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. This is going to be really fun, and it's very relevant because I have an eight-month-old, and I'm just so, I feel like I'm a sponge right now learning as much as I can about first food. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I would love it if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and um, and then we'll jump into some of these questions. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I have a background in Chinese medicine and I talk about herbs and acupuncture a lot um, in my work just because it's kind of a natural way to manage imbalances in the body. Um, but when I was in school, I did a lot of writing for folks in the health industry, kind of like bloggers and other people. And so um, when I was doing that, I kind of realized that I wanted to read actual research and science. Um, and I live right next door to UCLA, and that's where I went to school as an undergrad. So I ended up spending a lot of time um, on the UCLA campus reading a lot of research about the gut and the immune system. And um, that's how I did my work then. And then I got pregnant and I continued to do that. And, and I had a baby. Um, and then and I was interested in pregnancy and nutrition for baby, but it really wasn't until two years old that I kind of decided I wanted to do something of my own and just kind of start blogging instead of more of a ghost writing position, like more of a, you know, this is me and this is what I think about. And, um, <clears throat> And so, you know, it turns out that gut health and the immune system, it really has a big role in pregnancy um, and diet as well. And all the different diets that we do, like the AAP diet and paleo and all that, it plays a really big role in those first 1,000 days of baby's life, which would be um, nine months of pregnancy and then the two years of your baby's life. And those 1,000 days have a huge impact on the rest of your baby's life. And not to put pressure on moms, because I know we already have enough pressure and mom guilt, but you know, it's, it really helps to have knowledge about what might be the best thing. And um, that's what I'm really passionate about because I feel like there's a lot of pressure that we place on ourselves. And then so like there's room for compassion and just understanding yourself and being kind to yourself. But then at the same time, there's also room for some like legit researched knowledge to come into play and help you make choices in a really easy way. I love it. Well, I'm all about empowering information. You know, it's one of those things when we know better, we do better. 
right across the board. And sometimes we just can't, you know, I'm thinking of my heart is going out to maybe a lady who's listening right now. She's in her first trimester, has horrible morning sickness, can't keep anything down except for graham crackers. You can survive these periods and, um, and things will be okay. So this is not meant to shame people <laughs> in those stages. Uh, but I love the idea of if you, when you are, when we are able to get good foods in, how to prioritize and strategize what foods those are. I love this topic. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that. And, I, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. But um, one thing that I'm really interested in right now is kind of like allergies and how they develop. And um, so many moms that probably you work with and I work with, like they're on the paleo diet or AAP or they, they eat like quote unquote healthy foods. But a lot of times... Um, the foods that aren't healthy maybe like, or they think that aren't healthy, like wheat or grains or legumes, the graham crackers, um, those actually contain things that help to build baby's immune tolerance. And during pregnancy, your immune system does this really wild shift where you can tolerate foods that you couldn't before if you have food sensitivities. So um, I really encourage moms to just like embrace those foods um, because it actually helps to build your baby's immune tolerance later um, down the road. And it's really important. And that's something that comes up a lot, um, especially in the community that I'm in, which is very much about food restrictions. Mm-hmm. I love it. Something we talk about a lot here on Fed and Fit, so you know the audience, uh, what they've heard over and over again, is that the name of the of the build your own lifestyle game isn't about finding out what foods not to eat and whittling down that list more and more and more. But we try to be in the game of all eat all the foods we can eat, you know, and try to get as expansive of a list as possible. And I think that's something that folks get really excited about. And I hate to go down a tangent, but it's just, that's that's one of my nerdy passion topics. I love talking about it. Um, I would love to know. So talking about, and, and that's so interesting too, just on your point, because I don't want to forget it about how our, our, our immune system does this really wacky thing when we are pregnant. I absolutely found that some of my food intolerances pre-pregnancy really dissipated during pregnancy. I was able to tolerate a lot more, for example, cow's dairy. I did much better with my, it was much easier on me then. Um, and wheat gluten, which has always bothered me. It was actually the opposite. It gave me full-blown migraines in my first trimester. Um, and it was just so interesting. It's kind of like the rules go out the window uh, in a lot of ways. And you just have to figure things out for the first go around. I would love to know, talking back about first foods for babies, because this is a question partially because of uh, Gray, my daughter, uh, her age. And a lot, there are a lot of moms who were also kind of in that same boat, have babies around that age where they're pregnant and getting ready to have their first. I get a lot of questions about when to introduce what foods. I would love it if you could give us an overview of your perspective on a timeline for first foods. So a timeline for introducing first foods. So basically, um, it's not necessary to have a strict timeline. Um, and that goes back to the, um, the issue with like with the allergens. You know, you no longer have to wait to introduce allergens, as they once said. Mm-hmm. Um, so still, you want to introduce allergens once solids have been established. Um, and that's still pretty early in the game. Like that 6 to 12-month mark is a really important time to get like all the things in baby um, <clears throat> because you want that diverse, wide range of food um, like we were talking about. So that's really important to keep in mind in general. Um, 
And then some babies have like a lot of food sensitivities um, and you can tell like if they're breastfed, you can tell that they react to be um, to the proteins in mama's milk. So there's kind of a dance that has to take place because you want to expose your baby to certain foods, but at the same time, you don't want your baby to cry all night or be uncomfortable or have blood or mucus in their stools, which is very much, it's very common. Um, <clears throat> so I generally recommend to follow a timeline if there are issues before beginning solids, um, such as reflux um, and issues with stool. Um, <clears throat> so usually that kind of is meat. Okay, so the other thing that I do is I am 100% meat first recommendation for all babies. And I'll talk more about that later probably, but um, uh it's just so important in terms of the nutrition in meat. Um, usually most parents feel, I think there's like this tendency to go towards fruit and vegetables because we think that those are like quote unquote healthy. But if you mm -hmm. think about it, fruit and vegetables are really hard to digest. I mean, like think about like SIBO and FODMAPs and oxalates and all of these things that adults deal with in plant foods because their gut's kind of wacky. Well, you know, babies have a developing gut and plant foods are really hard to digest. So there's that thing for me. And then also, um, meat has a lot of nutrition in it that babies need. Um, most importantly, heme iron, um, zinc. Um, it has sometimes um, different fatty acids. Um, fish will have like more of the DHA. So um, I'm very much like focused on 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 animal foods, um, and I like liver, lamb as first foods. Um, you know, if you want to do pears to help with constipation, which happens a lot, um, that's really great. But also, if you do too many plant foods in the beginning, um, you can see an uptick in constipation. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. It's really just like paying attention to your baby's response to food. Um, but meat, starting with meat, is my main uh, recommendation. I love it. Why lamb? I understand why liver, but I'm curious why lamb. Okay, so babies. Um, they're really sensitive to food proteins and chicken is an allergenic food. So if your baby has something where it's, it's basically like if your baby has an, an, an allergic response to foods, um, chicken is one of those foods that you would want to remove. Um, and that usually shows up as blood in the stool. It's actually more common than you would think. Like I come across it a lot. So lamb is the most hypoallergenic meat that you can get. So that's, and I've seen babies do really badly with beef and chicken, and then they do really well with lamb, which is, so it, there's like proof in the pudding, you know? Yeah, <laughs> very, very interesting. That's so fascinating. One of Grayson's first foods was actually beef, and she did really well with it, but we did. We gave her some grass-fed beef, and that girl loved it. She absolutely loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, and it's, and conventional medicine is absolutely caught up. I think with a lot of this, my pediatrician advised definitely to, she said, I think beef is a perfect first food. And she was breastfed oh, up until about, I want to say we, we very briefly started her on foods right at about six months. She was just, you know, my, the, the common anecdotal, thing is, you know, your child's ready for food when she opens her mouth and watches you eat every single bite. She's <laughs> very curious. So that's really interesting. What would you say are some other signs that babies are ready for food? Or do you do you like to follow at six months, start to introduce foods? 
Um, I do like food at six months because that's when the iron needs for baby are at their peak and basically it declines then. And it's really important to get um, some iron in at that point because you really can't, if, if there's low iron, you, you can't go back and like make it up. Like the effects will be seen later on according to research. Um, and this is all suggestive. It's not like cause and effect, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's interesting to know. So I do think it's important to start at six months. You know, they say that um, food before one is just for fun. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more than fun because I think it's really important to get food in before one and at six months. Um, so I do like the six month starting date. Some babies start before, some babies start after. Um, a lot of babies tend to sit up at around like eight months. So um, while some babies will sit earlier, um, I don't see that as a hard prerequisite for um, starting solids. It's more interest in food and um, just the, the tongue thrust, it kind of decreases, but you'll still see that. Um, you'll still see some gagging, um, which is totally normal. It's very scary. You know, like a baby might cry, get really red, and it's super scary to see a baby gag, but um, it's normal, and it's like a necessary step to get through solids. So makes um, a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Oh, pickles, I had a question for you. What was it? It will come. <laughs> it it will come. To, oh, um, impacts of low iron of iron introduced too late. What are some of those impacts? It's mainly in the brain. Um, so you'll see like, like reduced like motor skills, or even later in life, like as a teenager. This is really interesting. You'll see more risky behavior. Um, so like iron has a big impact on the on mental and emotional development as well. Like not just like the motor skills, but it, it really has this kind of like deep impact and um, risky behavior. I mean, a lot of teens are risky, but it's even, it's like even more risky behavior um, in terms of just the activities that they engage in. So. so interesting. So that's the correlation that has been found, which is not causation, but it's very fascinating. I get what you're yeah, saying. Exactly. Today's show is brought to you by Larissa's Kitchen. Larissa's Kitchen protein snacks are made with only the highest quality meats, including 100% grass-fed beef. There are no preservatives, no added growth hormones, no MSG, and no nitrates. Larissa's Kitchen meat snacks come in a variety of flavors. My personal favorites are the Korean barbecue beef and the ginger teriyaki chicken. They're so tasty. I always keep a few in my purse and gym bag for a healthy protein-filled snack when I'm on the go and I don't want to sacrifice quality ingredients. Larissa's Kitchen products are available nationwide at leading retailers such as Target, Walgreens, Kroger, Publix, convenience stores, as well as on Amazon.com. Use the code 20OFFLK to receive 20% off on Amazon. This is such a good deal. Again, that's 20OFFLK to receive 20% off on Amazon. Um, okay, so we've touched on iron being really important, zinc being really important, which are found in animal products. What other nutrients are important to prioritize early on? I would say DHA is super important. Um, you might have to supplement. Um, that's totally okay. It's that important. Mm -hmm. um, it's good for baby's brain. Um, and also some of the vitamin D is really important too. Um, moms can take like 6,400 IU a day to get their levels up in milk enough to supplement their baby. Mm -hmm. um, this was a study like published in, I think it was like 2015 or 16. Mm -hmm. But um, most moms don't supplement that high. Um, but if you do, awesome. But you're not going to get that in like 
fish oil um, right. or yeah. So or any. I mean, you might get some in egg yolks and um, cod liver oil. So there's places that you can get some vitamin D. Um, sardines, oysters, um, but usually I recommend supplementing um, and usually mom if possible. Um, so that way you don't have to give any to baby, but if you do, that's totally okay. Um, you know, I'm not against supplements. So those are the, the other two big ones that I like to focus on. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then if they were going to prioritize some fruits and veggies to a company, you mentioned pears to help with constipation, if that's something they're worried about. But what other fruits and veggies top to pop, top to your blah, blah, pop to the top of your mind as uh, good companions? Um, I really like colorful fruits and veggies. Um, you get a lot of nutrition um, in those colors, um, and they actually act as a prebiotic, and they feed the gut bacteria, um, mm-hmm. and they help to diversify the gut. So, um, colorful foods like berries. Um, Purple potatoes, purple sweet potatoes, orange sweet potatoes, um, <clears throat> peaches, um, which are also an allergen. So that's important to keep in mind. But um, so just kind of like a good mix of color and then meat is the general direction that is great to see parents go towards. And then after you've established solids within like maybe six to eight months, you really want to start introducing all of those allergens like peanut butter and cow's milk and eggs if you haven't already and wheat and tree nuts and fish and all of those things because again that that exposure especially if you eat those foods plus that exposure it will help to prevent or protect against um food allergies Mm -hmm. later on yeah and can you walk folks through a couple signs of an intolerance aside from bloody and mucousy stools yeah, definitely. So um, you might see um, hives, eczema is a really, really big one. Um, hives can be excess histamine as well, which is very common in babies. Um, so it's not a reason to stop a food. And it can be kind of scary to see, you think, oh my gosh, if my baby's having a response, I need to stop with like with the strawberries or something. And um, it might just be histamine. And that's really common. And it's not a reason to stop a certain food. You might want to pull back a little bit. But again, you want to keep those foods in the diet if it's not a really bad reaction because that will build up, um, that will build up the immune tolerance. Um, other things that you might see um, might be any changes in skin and stool are really big indicators. Um, and then if you're having like a severe allergic response, um, which um, is uncommon, but, you know, it can happen, there's going to be more swelling and more coughing and wheezing happening. Got it. Makes yeah. a lot of sense. Okay. Megan, I would love to pick your brain. There are a lot of schools of thought, depending especially on the generation <laughs> you are a part of, as far as... Uh, how to feed your baby, not necessarily what foods, but how to do it, purees, baby led weaning. What is your take? I'm so curious. Oh, you are? Okay. Well, um, maybe afterwards you can tell us what you're doing. Um, yeah, I or, have to. Yeah. Um, what I think is best is doing what works, honestly. And that's such a like, um, yeah, middle road answer. <laughs> I like it. I'm all about the middle road. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, like, I'm not against 
purees, actually. Um, I have come across a lot of moms that want to do more of the baby-led weaning style, and their babies just don't don't eat. And but they'll be, but the baby will take a puree. Mm-hmm. And again, the, that nutrition is so important during that six to 12 month mark that, you know, if your baby eats purees, then, then it's okay. Um, you know, you could try pouches, you could try um, a spoon that's preloaded. I think the most important thing for me um, and that I've seen in research um, is having a responsive kind of dynamic with your baby, meaning like mm-hmm. you're paying attention, you are watching for cues, um, you're allowing your baby to self-feed, but it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, like you can just play around with different techniques and different styles and different um, textures. Um, the one thing that is really interesting um, is that I did see this paper once and it was saying that babies who were exposed to texture after n- nine months, they were pickier at seven years old so that's a pretty big Mm. window (laughs) and so you really want to get texture in before nine months Um, but usually what I recommend is um, if your baby is having issues with eating you can do like a meat puree because I really think that those meaty foods are very important so like a meat puree with like some kind of like whole finger food um, so that your baby's exploring different textures and different things but you know um i do think emphasizing those meats are very very important um and you know there has been research um around baby led weaning there was a paper i think it came out in 2016 and then there was another one recently and basically babies who follow baby led weaning um they have lower levels of iron and zinc and b12 and all of those things are neat so and that goes back again to just parents wanting to do their best for their baby, but not really understanding that meat is important or they think it's hard to digest or it's too heavy or too fatty or something like that. Um, I've heard a lot of different things around meat of why it might be a problem. And the reality is, is that vegetables are way harder to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is just, it has everything that your baby needs really. Um, so to give your baby that first is, is um, a priority, especially if you're going to do more of the baby led weaning style. I love it. So I will share what we're doing and I don't think I've ever answered yes. this in its entirety. So <laughs> I've put it off. I've put it off because there's just, there's a lot of charged conversations around everything baby related, but um, yeah. So what we were doing is almost identical to what you've described. We're doing a little bit of middle of the road. I, for the textorial textorial today, I made up a word <laughs> for the advantages of her learning how to feed herself and introduce new textures. I'm definitely pro baby led in that regard, handing her a strawberry. I'm letting her figure out how to eat that, which funny you mentioned, she actually did get some hives from. No, okay. Uh, so we're approaching that, you know, just with some awareness around it. But uh, yeah, so giving her things like that, some really good finger foods that we can watch and be there for. But we do puree the majority of her meats be for a volume perspective for that reason. Because when I want her to get in a good amount of volume for certain things, I will puree it. And then I'll leave some aside that she can kind of nibble on if that makes any sense or just um yeah. put on her tongue and get used to the texture but to get her to make sure that she is getting in a meal I like so far I have been pureeing the majority of what she's actually consuming and she's great with the spoon she loves it um she just was 
this girl of mine loves food, period. So it's been pretty easy in that regard. But when um, when she isn't, when she's in charge of feeding herself, which she enjoys, it's more for fun in a lot of ways is how kind of how I've seen it because she doesn't actually consume a whole lot of what she's been feeding herself. So we are, we're doing a little bit of both. Um, I would say what she's actually taking in have been the purees, the things that I have, um, I will blend up about half of what I've made her and so that we can feed it to her, but we let her kind of play around with the food first. Yeah, that's, that, that's exactly, I think what a lot of parents end up doing. And there, there can be some pressure to, you know, do all finger foods or to, to kind of stick to a certain style. Um, but when it comes down to it, like there's just so many different responses to food and there's no shame in anything that you do. You just, just do your best and, um, totally. and be responsive to your baby and just be present. Absolutely. Know? It's like they say, I mean, <laughs> in the breastfeeding conversation, fed is best. And I think that a lot of that goes along with this as well. Well, this is so fascinating. Are there, before, before I wrap up a little bit, I would love to know, are there any, what are some of your, are there a couple of things that you just wish people knew? Obviously, we know that we want to get in food. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking back on the highlights of our conversation. We know that we want to prioritize trying to get babies introduced to solids as close to six months as possible. And we don't have to wait for them to sit up. That's a big lesson learned, I think, for a lot of folks. We really want to prioritize meats, that meats are a complete food. They're going to be getting a lot of what they really need. So that can come first, really emphasize that. It's okay if they're pureed. It's not the end of the world, but do try to introduce textures before nine months. Um, Don't be, you know, what things to look out for when it comes to sensitivities. And it doesn't mean that we can't ever give those to them again. Start do thinking about introducing potential allergens sooner than later, especially when solids have been well-established after about eight months. But are there, I hope that was a good enough recap, but are there like, are there any other things that you're just, you want to put up a billboard and say, gosh, I want parents to know this. What, what are a couple of those things? I mean, you, I we pretty much covered it. I think the biggest topic that comes up for me um, when speaking with moms is the, their own, way that they eat and Mm -hmm. how they feed their baby that way with the best intentions. But, you know, there may be food restrictions or they're concerned about carbs um, or too much sugar. I mean, you know, something that's really interesting and that I like to share is that babies burn through sugar. They're so much um, at the age of four, two times faster than an adult. So Mm. it, it increases until the age of four, and then it starts to decrease. Basically, though, the, you know what that tells us is that kids need sugar <laughs> to just be like functional and not go into like a fasting state or something. So, like, there's a lot of fear around sugar and carbs, and I think that's like kind of in relation to the climate that we're in in terms of like the keto diet and just that whole world. And in reality, kids need they need sugar, and um, but not not like candy sugar, you know, like starchy mm-hmm. carbs and fruit and colorful fruit. I mean, there's really great ways to get these things. And I think that's like the biggest um, thing that stands out for me is just, you know, not seeing babies as small adults. They've got their whole little own thing happening um, Mm -hmm. until the age of around two to three. And it's really important to um, kind of just get a few details in, in terms of nutrition, um, which is basically like the meat, the colorful fruits and veggies um, and allergens um, and putting your own food restrictions aside Mm -hmm. and just kind of opening up the doors completely for baby in a responsive way. 
I love it. Man, this is so great. I'm just sitting here nodding along with everything you're saying. That's wonderful. Oh, I have one quick question before I let you go because it's something that I've come across a lot and it's a question I've gotten a lot. So I'd love for you to just answer it. (laughs) Is uh, the question of salt. So I know a lot of folks who are, you know, they're feeding baby what they're having for dinner. Uh And it is, it's interesting some folks getting very concerned about exact grams of salt that baby is getting per day. Is this something that you think parents really need to be concerned about? Or can, if, if we're generally not oversalting our foods, it's okay if we pull the middle of the pot roast out and mash it up for baby. Exactly. I mean, I, I, again, I think like stress is really something to step away from um, because we get so much stress from mm-hmm. so many different places in our lives and adding more to the plate, so to speak, is just, it does more harm than good. And so um, in, in terms of salt, you know, there, there is um, a recommendation kind of that parents think they need to act, actively salt baby's food, you know, like add salt to baby's food because it has some um, micro or trace minerals in it. Um, but, you know, in general, you don't want to salt your baby's food. But mm-hmm. if your baby gets salt through just the family table or um, it's it's just kind of in the food that you're eating, I think that's okay. Um, preserved meats tend to have a little excess salt. So, you might, like, if you um, have, like, an Epic bar, for example, I think an Epic bar has... Mm. I don't know how many, but it's salty. Um, I think it's like around two, yeah. So, um, you know, you might want to give your kid like half if if you have a toddler. Um, I would just be aware and conscious of it, but definitely don't think about it too much because um, they do have kidneys that are developing. And so you do want to be conscious of it and aware of it, um, but it's not an issue um, for the most part, as long as you're not actively salting your baby's food. My Love it. Salt. Yeah. <laughs> makes, a, makes a lot of sense. Well, wonderful. Megan, thank you so much for this. Can you uh, tell folks where they can learn more about, more about you and your work and how they can connect? Yeah. So um, I have a free ebooks on my website. Um, I think I have like around five or six. Um, some are on massage um, for baby and then there's some on nutrition. And so probably the one on nutrition will be the most um, link to today's podcast. It's totally free. You can go and become a member of the website and download it. Um, and that's at megangarcia.com. And then I also have my Instagram feed um, where I get a lot of questions and I'm happy to answer um, as many questions as possible. Um, Facebook, I miss questions a lot of times. So that's probably not the best place to reach out. Mm-hmm. And then if you need to get something answered, you can also email me. Um, I do my best to just be available for moms because I just feel I get actually a lot of like um, emotional gratification or emotional like I, I just I feel so good connecting with moms and it just and I get so much response of like thank you so much but in reality like I also feel so much gratitude to just connect and help and be of service and it just lifts me up in a really um, uh, special way. So I'm happy to be available, but I also have time constraints. So and I might not get to all of <laughs> I know I know exactly what you're talking about. And that is so sweet and lovely. You're definitely in the right profession then if that's um what what fills your cup 
Megan, it has been a true pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for making time to chat with our group. It's been a lot of fun. I learned a few things and I hope that it was helpful for everybody who tuned in. If you would like to connect with Megan and maybe you're driving and didn't have a chance to write any of that down, don't worry. We've got all those notes over on fedandfit.com in the show notes, as well as the complete transcript of today's show. Megan, thanks again. And everybody else, as always, we'll be back again next week. <laughs>